Thanks for joining us today. This is Kevin Mullins, pastor at Broad River Church, and we're really grateful that you checked us out. If this message has been inspiring to you, we hope that you visit our website at broadriver.church, and you can go to the plan a visit page and see if there's a time that you could visit Broad River Church in person. You also can give at that same webpage, and you can check us out also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Broad River Church. We hope this message is a blessing to you. everybody. Why don't you turn to somebody close to you there and just give them a big smile. Just let them know how happy you are to see them. Even if you aren't happy to see them, you should still smile. And we're really glad that you're here this morning. My name is Kevin. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, I look forward to doing that. Welcome to the 9 a.m. gathering at Broad River Church. The, 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 the growing crowd that is 9 a.m. and Um, We're really excited that you're here this morning. I'd like to invite you straight to Scripture, and then I'm going to make a few announcements, actually a few more than we normally do. So the ushers are actually passing out something to you right now to give you a little guide for the things I'm going to talk about over about three minutes. But why don't you turn to Jonah chapter 1 as they're passing that out. Jonah chapter 1, it's on page 774. If you're using the blue Bibles that are down there in front of you, um, if you're on the front row, the Bible's underneath your seat. Today, we're going to be looking a second time at this prophet named Jonah in a series we're calling The Runaway. Jonah was this person who occupied a role in the Bible called prophet. These men and women called prophets were the mouthpieces for God. You're usually not that popular of people, uh, primarily because they they delivered a not-so-popular message. In fact, if you go back in the left-hand side of your Bible, and look at the words of the prophets. 95% of the time, the message is very predictable. You're ready for 95% of the prophets' messages on the left-hand side of your Bible. You ready for this? It goes like this. Repent! That's pretty much it. Okay, you've got it. That's, that's the left-hand side of your Bible. Turn around. Hey, you're going one way. You should go the other. Stop living like you're living. Live a different way. So we can see why these men and women didn't win any popularity contests. Most of, as I mentioned last week as we started the series, most of what we learn from Jonah is not actually in what he says, but we learn most of what we learn from Jonah in what he does and does not do. Last week we saw that God commanded Jonah to go to a place called Nineveh. And the reason why he was going, spoiler alert, was to tell them to repent. This is what prophets do. But Jonah, as we said last week, didn't want to. He didn't want to go. So instead of going north to Nineveh, he went south to Joppa, buys this expensive ticket to go west, young man, to a place called Tarshish. Jonah was trying to get as far as he could from God's call on his life. But God created this storm, and when we left off last week, Jonah was just, had just got done acknowledging who he was and who the God that he serves is, and it's a good start, but Jonah is still not 
headed to Nineveh. He had a temporary setback, but Jonah still hasn't hit rock bottom. So let's pick it up and read in verse 17 of Jonah chapter 1, and then we'll continue through Jonah chapter 2. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. This is God's word for the people of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you've gathered this group here together. This tribe that you've gathered is here, Lord, for the purposes of learning from you. And now, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you're my rock and my redeemer. Please speak to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. If I could add uh, a whole lot more of anything to the time of my being a follower of Christ, it would be becoming more aware of the appointments that God schedules for me. I mean, I'm really aware of the appointments my wife schedules for me. Uh, Sometimes she schedules things for me that I'm okay with. Sometimes she schedules things for me that I'm not so eager about. Uh, She's scheduled, for instance, a physical that's coming up for me here in a couple of weeks uh, that I probably would never schedule for myself. But because she loves me, she sends me a calendar invite, and I click accept on it or else, right? I don't click accept because I want to. I click or else, and I don't really know what the or else is, but I, I do know after being married 25 years that I don't want to test that, okay? So I don't miss those things too much, but I think that I, I, along the way, I may have been more likely to miss when God schedules an appointment for me. I, I can still be pretty clueless and, and, and realize like three weeks later, oh yeah, that was, real. I was just realizing, oh yeah, that was God trying to do something. Ever, anybody else experience this? Last week, when we ended, these, these sailors were very reluctantly throwing Jonah into the sea. And remember, they did it because he told them to. He said, it's the only way the storm is going to stop. You're going to have to throw me in. So in he goes, and we get one of the coolest verses in, in the whole Bible. It's, it's really helpful if you visualize this one. Verse 17, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and nights. I get the sense that almost immediately when he hits the water, it doesn't say that, but, but almost immediately when he, when he hits the water, there's this huge fish that comes and swallows Jonah. God has made an appointment for Jonah. 
God has scheduled an Uber for Jonah. This is, and this, by the way, is not what baby shark do, 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 to do. It's not even mama shark or daddy shark do, 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 to do. It's like, what's the one that grandpa, grandpa shark do, 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 to do? Okay, this is what happens for Jonah. And it's gobble, gobble, Jonah is Ubering for three days and nights along the bottom of the sea. Now, I want you to notice three things here. First of all, don't miss this. And this is a thread that goes throughout all four weeks of this series. This is God's doing. He, he ordered the storm, and now he orders the whale. He orders the fish. I, I say this as the first thing because I think that when bad things happen, sometimes we're a little too eager to blame the devil. Nobody said amen. It's okay. Or maybe you're here today and you're kind of, kind of checking out this whole Jesus and church thing, so maybe you wouldn't use language like blame the devil. You might just say bad luck or karma. That's fine. But let this verse open you up to the possibility that many times when bad things happen, it's actually God that made that appointment. Which leads to the second thing that I want you to see here, that sometimes it takes a few redirections to correct how far we've run. It's like me. I, I want to eat and drink with like no boundaries for like five years. And then one day I decide, you know what, that's enough. I'm going to eat right. And then one week later I'm saying, why aren't I thin and sexy yet? Yeah, because sometimes... We go so far that it takes a couple of appointments. Hear me this morning. It takes a couple of redirections to get us back on track. Let me just say it to a few people here today. Be patient. God's already got some appointments scheduled for you. God is committed to finishing the job that he started. This early church leader named Paul said it this way, the one who started the work in you is going to be faithful to bring it to completion. Amen? Man, that's good news. God's not going to leave you done. He's not going to leave you half finished. Jonah had run so far us have run so far that it's not going to be just as simple as one little storm. It might take a big storm and a big fish to get us back on track to where God wants us to be. The third thing, and this is big, Broad River Church, especially if you're a part of this church, this is big. The third thing, there is no one who has run too far. There is no place that is outside of God's jurisdiction and his reach. Turn to somebody and say, that's big. This is for everyone who wants to say, you know, I, I've just done too much. I've, I've run too far. They might want to say, I'm beyond redemption. God couldn't possibly love this guy. God couldn't possibly want to do business with a woman like that. I want everyone who makes Broad River Church your church home to internalize this. We can run to the far reaches of the earth, and still God is just as near as ever. Listen to how he says it in Psalm 136, verse 7. 139, verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make bed, my bed in Sheol, you are there. 
If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Jonah purchases the most expensive ticket that he can to get as far away as possible, and God sends Jesus Uber to pick him up there. One one of the few superhero movies I like, I'm not really into them. I go with my kids sometimes and and act like I'm enjoying it, but but I'm not really into superhero movies, except for this one a bunch of years ago called The Dark Knight, right? And, And this is the one that's got Christian Bell, Batman. Okay, it's the right Batman as far as I'm concerned. And Heath Ledger, Joker, incredible. But one of the scenes fairly early on, there's this criminal who escapes to China, and the police send Batman because evidently if you're Batman, you don't have a jurisdiction. Batman takes care of that. In about 15 seconds, he brings the the criminal back to Gotham for prosecution. You can't run. You can't. It's basically, this story is basically, you can run, but you can't hide. Except this time, the one that's trying to chase you down is trying to give you the best life possible. I love this other idea that David the psalmist puts out into the world. He says that at this point in one of his prayers, surely goodness and mercy, what? Shall follow me. Now, a lot, a lot of times when we think of getting followed, we think about these creepers that are stalking us, right? Hopefully none of you have had a, a stalker recently. But these are people who intend to do us evil things. But God's version of this is, yeah, I'm following you around, and here's what I'm wanting to give you when I finally catch you. It's goodness and mercy. You can run, but you can't hide. And by the way, you don't want to. Once God tracks you down, let him give you. Let me say it this morning. Once God tracks you down, let him give you what he came to give you. I'm still on verse number one. I'm having too much fun. One, one more thing, one more thing. We'll get to the other verses. One thing you're, you can be happy about if you're in the 9 a.m. service is it has to end at a certain time. You, I, I see some of you working. I see why you're here. I get you. Did you notice, one more thing, that Jonah doesn't just get swallowed up. He gets swallowed, and then he gets to contemplate his life inside a fish for three days and nights. Now, now, this three days and nights is important. Three is an important number in the Bible. We have three patriarchs of our faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The angels cried holy a certain amount of times. They cried it holy, 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 three times. Uh, there were, after the flood, there were three sons of Noah that mankind descended from. Abraham journeyed three days to Mount Moriah with his son Isaac. Jesus took up three Amen. Peter, James, and John to the mountain of transfiguration. Three days, I can't think about. There's something else important in the Bible I'm forgetting about. Can you help me? Three days. That's right. Jesus rose on the third day. Some of y'all are just waking up. Easter was just a few weeks ago. Come on, people. So this is three days, a good amount of time to get some significant soul searching going on. And that's what's up here. God is going to physically rescue Jonah, but check it. First, he gives him some time and space to consider what he's done. He gives him time to check where his heart is. Don't miss that this is a gracious thing that God has done there. It was God's grace and mercy that sent the storm. This time in the fish is also God's grace. God is powerful, but he's also patient. 
Now, now we don't like it because we get less and less patient as time goes on, but God shows his patience over and over in the scripture. Somebody needs to get this before I move on today. God will often put us in places where we can stop so that we can contemplate what we've done, so that we can look closely at our lives, so that we can trust him. I'm going to say that again because it was really good, and only about eight of you got it. I want you to stick a little bit more. God is going to put you in a place long enough so that you'll stop, so that you will prayerfully consider your actions and take a close look at your life so that you will trust him. This is like God's version of a timeout, okay? Now, I grew up in West Texas in the 70s. We didn't have timeouts. The only timeout we got is, is I had to figure out how much time out I had before my dad started spanking me, okay? I did, that, that's that's, what, that's what, what, what went down there. Jacinta and I, we didn't really use timeouts much with our kids either. But I know a little bit about timeouts. When a parent puts a kid in timeout, what's the purpose? Right? I want you to what? Think about what you've done. I want you to examine the direction your life is going right now, kid. But it's not just so that that kid has more information. It's not just so they can get really good at self-reflection. I think we're, as a society, we're getting a whole lot better at self-reflection. That's good. But listen, just self-reflecting by itself is not enough. The ideal result of a timeout is what? That the kid comes out of the timeout willing to trust the plan that you put in front of him. The one that you want him to follow. If you get through the story of Jonah with your 2019 brain and you don't see that one of the themes of this story is God's correction in Jonah's life, then you miss the story. Make sure that you don't miss here that God is correcting Jonah. He's reproving Jonah. God is not just about signing off on your hashtag best life plan. Okay? Someone's like, hashtag best life, God's going to give me my best life. Yeah, okay. It's kind of like, okay, God, like, God, this is like the plan that like, I have in mind. So like, can I get your signature like here and there? That was an imitation of somebody here. You just appropriate it to your life. It's you, okay? Your, I think we get confused sometimes because your best life is not the one that you can imagine. In fact, your version of your best life isn't close to your best life. I need somebody to get this. God does want you to live your best life, but in order for that to happen, just like any loving parent, he knows that sometimes we have to be placed in time outs so that we can be ready to listen to him and obey him. For some of us, it's the only way he'll get your attention. How many of you here move so fast that the only way that God might get your attention is to give you a little bit of a time out? Just raise your hand if that's you. All right. So you should have been saying amen for the last 90 seconds, okay? That's on you. That's not on me. That's on you, okay? So just like last week, Jonah eventually does the right thing. And there's this long prayer there that is a mixture of a whole lot of words from the Psalms. If you thought that you recognized a lot of those words, it's because they are direct quotes from the Psalm. Jonah knew the Scripture, and it helped him in this moment, 
I've got a feeling that when you get into this kind of situation, Jonah probably, I'm guessing, had never been in a fish on the bottom of, of the ocean before. Some of you have been through things recently. Maybe you're in a problem right now, and it's not something that you have any words for. I think Jonah might have been speechless if he didn't have this repository of God's word inside of him. He quotes at least 10 times from the Psalms. One of the big reasons that you need a time and a place every day. We call it a slot and a spot. One of the reasons that you need that is so that you can, that you can read God's word because, and, and internalize it because sometimes you don't have the words to say what your, your body needs to say. Jonah patterns something here that's really big, and, and I think it can help you. I want us to lean in for the next five or six minutes. I want you to notice where it is that Jonah goes for help. There are two examples here that could be life-changing for a whole bunch of us here today. And I just want to arrest right now a whole lot of thoughts. Even right now, I'm going into this section, and I said this could be life-changing. There's a few people that that have checked out already, and, and for some reason, you're not internalizing this. I want everybody in this room right now to lean into this moment right now because God's got some words to say. Listen, I've been pastoring long enough and been with enough people while they're at their rock bottom the moments before and after, and what I've seen is that lots of times when people get to these places, they have a direction that they're prone to. We have a direction that we're prone to when we're reacting to hard times and correction. So some people, they get hit, and their first response is to say, you know what, I've got to figure this out. No one else is responsible for me but me. I've got to figure this out. I've got to work harder. I've got to be smarter. I've got to put in more hours at the office, more efforts, whatever. But the hardship, notice this, sends them inward. Are you seeing this? The journey is inward. Other people, they take a hit, and they go inward too, but it's just for the purpose of retreating from life. This is what depression looks like. Their journey is inward, but it's not for the purpose, like the first example, of more effort. It's just for the purpose of escape. It's a dark place. And by the way, I know depression is real. I'm not suggesting it's not at any level, but still, notice the direction of their journey. It's frustrating to me as a pastor when people disappear for months on end. And then when I see them again, I'm asking them how things are. They say, you know, Pastor, things were just going really badly, and I just had to drop off the map. No! That's not it, by the way. It's not part of the sermon. The no is for free, okay? Again, I'm not here today to trivialize depression at all. And I think the first example, the intuition to take personal responsibility for our lives, including working harder, can be a great thing. But Jonah patterns the way that hard times should direct us. Watch this, verse 2. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep into the hearts of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven from your sight. And here it is. Here's the direction. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Amen? Jonah's rock bottom directs him outward, not inward. 
this is going to be big for somebody this morning. I want you to see this. In the middle of it, before he's been delivered, he's saying, all of this is reminding me where my eyes need to be. The time out that he's in is about self-reflection, but notice that self-reflection starts for Jonah by looking outward. You're going to hear this a lot because it's a core message of our church. Followers of Jesus are less concerned with finding themselves and more concerned about finding out who God is. The temple, he said, my eyes will go to the temple. The temple is a place of what? It's a place of worship. It's a place that's all about giving God praise and giving God thanksgiving. It's where God is on the throne, and we come to recognize this. I said this is huge because I don't think this is how we're naturally wired in 2019. This is going to be a shift for somebody that gets this this morning. What I've seen most often, in fact, is when the hits come to people, that's the place that they start to withdraw. That's the place where they start to doubt. That's the place where they start to question whether or not God is actually good. Jonah examples, getting it right. This all reminds me, he said, of where my eyes need to be. Second example, verse 5 and 6. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Watch this. Here's the direction. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Leave verse 6 up there for a few minutes if you would. What's happening? Jonah is remembering now. Now that he's got his eyes on the temple, now that he's worshiping God and thanking God, now that he remembers who's on the throne and who's in charge, immediately he remembers who it is that's going to be in charge of rescuing him. Let let me say it this way. I wrote this down. Every time I remember what God has done, I remember that God has done it every time. How quickly we forget. Worship is about remembering. It's one of the main reasons that we come together every Sunday. We say it's essential that you're in church every week. It's about remembering. Jonah doesn't say, by the way, you will bring up my life from the pits. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, a future tense word. He uses a past tense word. He says, yet you brought my life up from the pits. In fact, in case we're a little bit slow, he, he, gives, he reveals his process. Magicians never give their processes away. We were in Las Vegas this week, my wife with my brother and, and sister-in-law, and we went to this mentalist, saw this mentalist guy that, who reads everybody's minds, right? It was amazing. And afterwards, what does everybody want to say when they, they do the meet and greet? How did you do that? Right? Of course, he's not going to tell anybody because that's the way he's able to sell out shows in Las Vegas every single day. All right? So he's not going to reveal his process, but Jonah does here in verse 7. This is Jonah's pr- process. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. When my life was fainting away, I remembered. Somebody say, I remember. I I, I don't care how bad your situation is today. Actually, I shouldn't say it that way. I do care because I wish that it wasn't. Let me say it a different way. It doesn't matter 
how bad your situation is, even there, God is fully aware. He is listening. He is able to save you. God is not thrown off by your mess. He is present with you in it. He's not hoping that you'll get things cleaned up and then you'll start worshiping again. He's hoping that you'll cry out to him while you're in the middle of the problem, while you're in the middle of the stress, and that you'll get your eyes back on the temple. Verse 8, I'd like to preach for about, I don't know, 23 minutes, but instead, I just want to recommend that that you memorize it. We do this from time to time time here. Just recommend specific verses in the Bible for memorization. This would be a good one for you to print out and put on your refrigerator, your bathroom mirror, your desk at work. Commit it to memory. Some of you are saying right now, I can't memorize, Pastor. Yes, you can. I'm disagreeing with you. Don't raise your hand, but make a commitment to memorize this verse. Verse 8 is incredible. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. So all of his praying and redirecting his eyes and seeing who's in charge leads him to a realization. This is in verse 9. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. There's something really cool here. Two things in this phrase. First of all, when, when Jonah says salvation comes from the Lord, the first thing he's saying is what he has personally experienced. God, you brought me out of the pit. It's God who loves me with an everlasting love. It's God who rescued me and rescues me and will rescue me past, present, and future. My help comes from the Lord. That's first, this personal awareness. But second, what is it when Jonah says salvation comes from the Lord? It's the message that God has called him to preach to the people of Nineveh. So listen, God isn't just correcting him, he's preparing him. I want to say this loudly for somebody to hear this morning. God is not just correcting you, he is preparing you. Your hard time isn't just for you. It's not just so that God can get your attention. That's not all that this is about. It's not just so that God can get your eyes focused on the right place. It's not just so that you will trust him and obey him. As you do all of those things, there is a message that is being formed inside of you. And listen to me this morning. That message that God is forming through your heart isn't just for you. It's not just for your heart. It's not just for your ears. It's for the eyes and the ears and the hearts of others that God has called you to. And by the way, God has called all of you to share this same message. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. This isn't just a message for preachers and prophets. Well, actually, it is a message for preachers and prophets, but here's the trick. You're the preachers, and you're the prophets. Some of you didn't say amen or nod, but it's still true, okay? It's still the number one message that Fairfield County is desperate to hear salvation belongs to the Lord. There's nothing dated about the message that God is forming right now inside of you. And as soon as Jonah becomes aware of, of that message, he, he realizes that God can save anyone, anywhere. 
And then his time with the fish is over. His aquatic journey is over. The Uber ride ends. He gets vomited up on dry land. Why? Because he's ready now. Next week, we're going to see something familiar and then something unfamiliar. I don't want you to miss next week, but for today, I wonder, I wonder which way you go when the hard times come. I wonder when, the, when you get hit by life, is your, the direction to go inward or is it to, to lean outward? Is it an inward one or is it an external one? Is it a me-focused journey or is it a God-focused journey? Do you descend just into depression? Do you descend into max effort, working as hard as you can, working yourself into a frenzy? Or does rock bottom refocus your eyes instead on the temple? Do the hard times lead you to retreat or do they lead you to worship? Stand with me today. Lord, we thank you for your words of truth this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you did not wait for us to come looking for you, but, Lord, you instead came looking for us. Lord, thank you that when my, as a song says, my heart was miles and miles away, Lord, that your grace and your mercy had a plan, that you were making an appointment for me, God. Thank you for the appointments that you've scheduled for every single person in this place. I believe, Lord God, two things as I pray this morning, that there's no one that is outside of your love. There's no one that has journeyed too far. There's no one who has done too much. There's no one that's outside of your jurisdiction, but every single person that's gathered into this place today are here for a reason, and that is for them to feel your overwhelming love. I thank you, Lord God, for those people that are, have their eyes closed right now that are making decisions of faith even right now to say, you know what, I'm deciding to follow Jesus right now. Maybe it's a decision that they've made before. Maybe it's the first time they're making a decision. But thank you, Lord God, for those faith commitments that are happening. And Lord, to the best of our abilities, we're going to follow you with everything that we have. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.